Hello, Pastor Deborah here. Welcome, everybody. We're in the Garden of Eden. Do you know I have been figuring out a lot about that place? I've been going over the very beginning of life and creation, finding out exactly when did it come to the earth. Yeah. They got a lot of videos out there on YouTube about it. What happened in it? Where did it go? But I like to believe that it's still here. And we're in it right now. It was hidden from us for a long time. Because we were not right. We couldn't come into that presence that was in the garden. That's here now. Until some things happened in us. And that's exactly what we're talking about in this class. The kingdom of darkness. Spiritual Babylon. We have gotten into the area about the presence of the Lord. We have been teaching that the king of the kingdom of darkness, Satan, the adversary of God, who had been Lucifer, the light bearer, the son of the morning, the son of the first age. He had been in this mighty presence and in the garden itself, for it was also up in heaven. He was in this presence, but because some horrible, wicked things, thoughts, ideas he had, he became violent towards his creator and the garden and everything in it. He was cast out like lightning. Now, he got out of the presence of the Lord. And we need to understand what that presence was. So you will be able to understand what he lost. What one third of the angels that were under him. That sided with him in his mutiny. Fell out of. Lost. And can never get again. And then when they plotted a plot. A scheme. To get this child named Adam and his helpmate, woman, who carried all of humanity inside of them in sperm form, called seed, and in egg form, called seed. Satan was going to make sure that this creation that God had declared was his image and his likeness, his offspring, his child, a God like him, that they too would be cast out and kept out of this presence of the Lord. And so we've been studying what the presence of the Lord is. And we're up to number lesson number 17. We're trying to learn what is this presence that humanity in its sinful unregenerative state that is still the image and nature of Satan himself and living in ignorance and darkness that they cannot come in unless God allows them which he does to many many people all over the world for he is a welcoming God he's trying to teach us about himself He's trying to teach us about his love, his kingdom, in his presence. He's trying to teach us and show us it is a wonderful privilege to be in this presence and what it can do for you. So he allowed me and helped me, Pastor Deborah, to find his garden. And I'm teaching that on another tape, what I had to go through to get there. And to be the shepherd of the garden of Eden on earth. There are other shepherds, I guess. I never see them. But they could be here. I hope. Because we got a lot of sheep that we need to bring in, watch over, shepherd and protect. And in the garden, in God's presence, 
we are getting just a small portion of his presence. But we're teaching here in the kingdom of darkness, spiritual Babylon, what this presence was, what we lost. Because until you kind of know what you lost, you may not desire it. You may be content and happy wherever you are. Maybe you're in the presence of another. Maybe the presence of Satan and his kingdom of darkness. And that's what you were born into, which you were, that you're used to. The kingdom of darkness in the Hebrew, the word darkness, actually means ignorance. Satan does not want you to know what Pastor Deborah is teaching. He does not want you to spiritually experience this presence of the Lord that was that he was in because it's a beautiful presence it's a relationship with this God the creator he had it he lost it he'll never have it again he can be summoned to the presence he can be called into the courtroom of the universe he can be called into the throne room of this king of this presence without even wanting to come but these teachings we've been doing as we are unfolding to you the kingdom of darkness that you spiritually live in the presence of the lord is missing and we're learning here in the garden what that is so before we begin is there anybody here that would like to open it up with prayer you way back there you know you don't have to speak up because your voice will travel to the billions and billions and billions of people pastor deborah's been given the privilege of praying and petitioning this god of his presence for all of humanity from every nation every religion every faith every age every sex no sex all of humanity even those in the womb even those that are living in shanties even those that live in the woods that are orphans everybody even the worst of the worst the jihadist the terrorist those people that live in alternate worlds that serve satan i'm praying for all of them to come to the garden And many are. Because you won't be forced. But God will hear a little whimper, a little thought. And he will bring you. All right, you way back there. Okay, you pray now. Yeah, all the billions will hear you. And I'll bow my head. And when you're finished, I'll close us out. Okay. wonderful father you heard this young king this royal priest unto you father i ask that you fulfill his words that you help us as we are learning and growing about you and your presence we need all the help we can get through your holy spirit for he is our teacher he is our governor from the kingdom of heaven that must teach us and help us to develop the culture and the language the lifestyles to know the judges and the laws of that country that you created that you are the king of help us father every way you can and help them to return home safely back to their physical bodies in the name of jesus amen all right everybody ready okay god you're doing so good I see people, spirits, as far as I can see. I hope you've been bringing all those I've been praying and asking you to. For you told me, Father, to pray to you and ask for the nations. And I am. 
So I thank you. Yeah, I, I see him, Father. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Yeah, and I see the little ones. Oh, my goodness. All right, everybody, we're going to pick up here. In the kingdom of darkness, spiritual Babylon. Why do I call it spiritual Babylon? Babylon was a nation where the first kingdom on earth was trying to be developed. Yeah. After the great flood, when the earth and the animals and humans had become so evil and violent, God had to wash that stuff away. And he chose a young man named Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He brought all animals of two kinds, male and female, into this ark. This is the story. And when they came out, they were told to go out and replenish the whole world and spread out. But they didn't do that. They all sort of stayed together because they were afraid and they wanted to make a name for themselves. So they stayed together and they went, wherever they went, they ended up in a land called Shinar. And they started this one guy who had been cursed by his own grandfather was going to show his brothers they were not going to make a slave out of him. So he started enslaving his other brothers. Mm-hmm. You see that even now. People enslaving people. Black people enslaving their own black people. That's history. White people enslaving white people. Arab people enslaving Arab people. Mm-hmm. Every nation has enslaved other nations. Through wars, you take captives and slaves. Mm-hmm. It's nothing new. It goes back to the beginning of humanity. Slavery, when a victor wants workers, harems, it will enslave other people. It's a sign of, I've conquered. Did you know many people were sold out? By their own nation and their own people. Their own people of their own skin color were slave traders. They made money off for capturing people and selling them to the slavers. People were sold for money. They were a commodity. People tend to forget that. A lot of people, if we study ancient history, when they went to war... And whoever was the victor, usually they might enslave the men, but a lot of times they killed them. And they enslaved the women and the children. You go watch this movie called Dracula, The Untold Story. It's pretty recent, and it's about this young man who was of a nation. And Persia would come in. And they, and they had made a deal with Persia. Okay. We won't kill you if you will every few years give us thousands and thousands of your boys at about age five or seven to be our slaves. We'll take them. They'll become our army. And that will guarantee that you will not rise up against us. You watch that movie. And this king of this small town, of this small nation, he had a young son and they wanted him. Because this had happened to him. His father had given him as a price for peace. So the rest of the nation would not be attacked. Many leaders will sacrifice some of their own people to stay in leadership. I found that out many years ago. When a certain person wanted to be a great leader, they were asked a deep spiritual question. You're a leader in a government, and you have people under you in other nations. Will you allow them to be killed? Will you sacrifice them, not send them any help? 
Will you do that to prove your loyalty to that king? So you can move up. Well, the person did it. But God had other plans and they didn't get what they wanted. They were defeated, but they were willing to sacrifice. I've listened in the spirit realm to parents offering up their own children and grandchildren to the king of the kingdom of darkness so they could get political power, sex, whenever they wanted it, money, riches, and that the king of the kingdom of darkness would stay in their family for generations and maybe one of their lineage would become a mighty, mighty global leader of the kingdom of darkness, a new world they're trying to create. Just like back in the Bible in Babylon. Mm -hmm. So what happened was these humanity stayed together, started building this big tower called the Tower. Okay. Well, this God of the Bible came down and looked to see what they were doing. They all had one language. Even though they were from three different sons, they were not doing what they were supposed to. They were supposed to spread out over all the earth. Now, I do not know at this time if the earth was still uh, sort of Pangea, one piece of land, or if it was starting to spread the continents out. I can tell you of the three boys, Shem, Ham, and Jephah. Shem, we're over here in the Middle East, okay, where uh, Babylon is. I think it's Iraq. Shem was started going towards China. And actually a lot of Shem's descendants got into China. Jephah started going north and up. And Ham, whose son Canaan was cursed by his father, his grandfather, to be a servant of his servant. Ham, his descendants, descended down into Africa, into Arab. And a lot of people believe that is where a certain race with a dark skin, because Ham... Uh, name and his stuff they had a little darker skin and they went into Africa Mm -hmm. and so they all spread out but they didn't do it willingly so this God who had saved them to repopulate the world came down and looked to see what they were doing down there they were building this big tower under this king Mm -hmm. he had become a mighty one He was enslaving his brothers. Yeah. They were all one language, so they all could work together in unity. And God said, huh, this is not good. They're not doing what I want them to do. I want them to repopulate. They're building kingdoms, yet they're darkened human spirits. They do not have my Holy Spirit. They don't understand. He saw Satan at work. Saw him building his kingdom of darkness through ignorance. And this God came down, looked around, and said, "Mm mm-mm. So what did he do? He confounded, confused their language. Remember, they're building this big, big tower. And they were trying to reach up to the heavens. And they already had a king that was enslaving everybody else. So he confounded, confused, made their one language sort of Babel. And that's where Babylon comes from. means confusion of language. So they couldn't talk to each other anymore. They all had different languages. So those that had the same language that seemed to understand, they went in that direction. Another group went in another direction, another And they spread out the way they were supposed to. Now they took with them the memories of the flood, Noah, Tower of Babel, a king, worship, slavery. They took all that with them as they spread out over the earth. 
And they continued on, trying to have their towers, building Satan's kingdom. But Satan had to now get some kings, demonic kings, with each group of people. Sort of made it harder for Satan to do what he wanted to do on earth. Remember, Satan was out of the presence of God. Humanity was out of the presence of God since the garden. The nature and animals and the earth itself, even though it had been created by him, was out of the presence and the rulership and the guidance and the shepherding of God through humanity. So now humanity was subject to the demonic spirits of the kingdom of darkness that had been placed over them by Satan. Satan was trying to build cities now and towns and have kings. And he was setting up many kingdoms that he had his demonic spirits over. He put demonic spirits in the water, the woods, the animals, everything. Because God said, my nature, my spirit is in all things. Everything belongs to me. So Satan says, okay, we're down here in the natural. I'm going to put a demonic spirit. Maybe I'll put a beautiful demon. It'll look like a lady. And you'll come to this little spring and worship. Because you need water. And I'm going to be the God of water and the wind and the rain and the animals and the fruit and the fields, the trees. So Satan was taking everything that was not his, claiming it for himself and putting his presence on earth. Now, this didn't catch God off guard. But what we're learning is it's still here. But you have to look at the contrast between that. If you look around the world, when you see tsunamis, we see high pressures, climate change, tornadoes, earthquakes. That is not of God. He can use that if he needs to. Lightning. God made the water. I've been asking him, how did he get all the water on this planet? How did... How did he get that core of the earth to be a fireball? And I'm asking him. I'm asking him to show me the generations that he created all of this. Because it is just a fascinating thing when you start thinking, where would all the water come from? There's water in the oceans. There's water coming out of the ground. But if you go deep enough in the earth, it's just a fiery core. Of molten gases and lava. How did all the oil get down there? Is that just trees from ancient days and dinosaurs? What is the oil? It's liquefied coal. What's coal? Trees. Animals. Humans. That's what it is. It's carbon. Mm -hmm. Carbon fossils. Is it seashells? Were they carbon? I have a lot of questions for God. Trying to learn about Him. What's here on the earth that I'm to shepherd? Can I speak to the oil? Could I dry up the oil reserves anywhere in the world? Can I speak to the waves when hurricanes are coming? I learned that you can. You can stop the wind. You can ask the sun to stand still. But it doesn't stand still. The earth would slow down. Can I speak to this situation called climate change? Can I slow things down, speed things? When you're in the presence of God and you learn about it, you start thinking different. In the kingdom of darkness and in that presence, you feel you can't do anything. You have no power over the wind, the lightning, the storms, the high pressures, the low pressures. Years and years ago in ancient civilization, people believed there were gods of the sea, Neptune. And there were gods in the stars and the comets and the sun. Even the Egyptians believed the sun was a god. They believed there were demons. Do you? 
And there was a journey you went on after death. And your heart was going to be weighed against a feather. And if your deeds and thoughts were not right, they would sink down. They would be heavier. Your heart would be. They would take your heart and weigh it against the weight of a feather. Do you believe you're going to be judged after death? Do you believe in the demons, the Egyptians? Most of society did for the longest of time. That there were gods and the weather in the oceans, in the springs, in the trees. They didn't realize they were on the right track. And there were. There were demons in there. But then what happened? Science came along. And said, that's just all superstition. And anybody that believes that is crazy. Anybody that does thinks of spiritual stuff and a spiritual God like of the Bible doing all this powerful stuff and that humans can do you got a mental health problem. Science and reasoning came in. God left, but Satan did not. He's still here. So in this lesson lesson number seventeen. We're still in the presence of the Lord. And I want to do a quick review for you of what we had. We were working in Exodus 33, 14 through 23. We had finished in the last few Exodus 33, 17 through 19. So I want to review those. Then we'll pick up with this one. Verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses... I will do this thing. Moses wanted to see his glory. Mm -hmm. Didn't Moses see it in Egypt? When all the hail came down and burst into fire. And the Nile ran red like blood. And the death angel came through. And locusts came and devoured everything. Wasn't that God's glory? That was God did a mighty deliverance. Moses and the Israelites didn't do anything. They were told, go inside your house, eat a meal, give thanks, and I'll do all the work. Was that his glory he was talking about? Moses saw these works of his hands. But he said, no, that's not good enough. I want to see your glory. I want to see and experience you personally, your presence. So Moses was up on this mountain. He said, okay. Because... We got into the story that God wanted them to go into this new land, but they did some things at the foot of the mountain with a golden calf and said that was the God that delivered them. So God said, I'm not going with you. Not with those people. I ain't going. And Moses says, but sir, if you do not go with us and your presence is not with us, in this new land, we will not succeed. And I'm not taking the people unless you go with us. A leader must be there. But the leader then, like like Moses, must go up by himself to a high place and petition the Lord. The leader first must see the glory and the presence of the Lord and be in it. He must find favor and grace with this God That he is working with. In partnership with. See God can do great things for you. But you not be in that relationship yet. And you must seek that relationship. So in verse 17. God said unto Moses. I will do this thing also. That you have spoken. For you have found grace. And favor in my sight. And I know you by your name. Your nature your character, your personality. I know you intimately. Can God say that about you? That he knows you intimately. And that you and your thoughts and your heart and your loves and your purpose, do they find grace and favor in his sight? Verse 18. And he, Moses, said, I beseech you, I pray, I petition you, sir, I ask you to show and reveal me your glory. Have you ever asked God that? A lot of people just want his 
works. I want free food. I want to be healed. I want a building. I want some money. I want a, a good reputation. I want to get on this committee. I want to be the leader of a nation. I want to be a millionaire. I, they want to see his hand in his works. But that's not seeing his glory, who he is. But that's what humanity wants. I don't really want to know you, God. I just don't want to die. I don't really care about you. I just want to be healed. I don't really care. Just help me win at bingo and gambling. Help me to be the top techie in the world. Help me to have the largest business network. And help me be a world leader on the world stage that everybody sort of bows down to. Help me to be a king without a crown. There's something about being a king that humanity just hates. I just watched a lot of this in Rome. They wanted that position, that ordination, that divine thing. But they didn't want to be called a king. Kings seemed to be hated. Because then it would just be their family. Which is a true pattern of the kingdom of heaven. We're all kings. It is a family business in the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing in the kingdom of darkness. It's a family business. Mm-hmm. Verse 19. And he the Lord said to Moses. I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name, my name, my nature, my character, my being, my essence, my image and likeness of myself to you. Have you ever had God do that? When God starts doing that with you and you learn about his image and his likeness his nature he starts showing you yourself when you are newly spiritually created after the old you dies on the cross inside his son the word and you are born again you have to learn who you are who your father is what your nature is, your essence, your identity. Mm-hmm. What is your nature? Whose image are you made after? Whose sperm and egg created you? What is your likeness? Who, who are you like? So Moses is learning. God says, I will show you that. That is my goodness. He said, I will do that before you. And I will be gracious, full of favor and love and kindness to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. God is saying, I am the one that you are to come to. Ask of me to show myself to you. And I will show you my goodness. You will see my mercy when you ask. You will learn of me, my essence, my nature, my being, because you have found grace and favor with me. So Moses was asking this. After he'd seen all of these powerful signs and wonders and works to set the Israelites free in Egypt. But now he wanted to know God more intimately. Do you want to know God that you serve more intimately? Have you ever asked the same thing Moses did? Has he ever, he or she ever said back to you, I will show you myself? Good questions to ask. Now we're going to start with lesson number 17. Exodus 34. 5 through 7 out of the authorized King James Bible verse 5 and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there has God ever descended ever come into your powerful presence in a cloud he has with Pastor Deborah he's drawn me up there he has come down here 
in the spirit. And there in the cloud, you're gone deep into the holy of holies, which Moses does not yet know about. Deep into the heart of God, he has covered you. You have stepped into his presence. Now, Satan, the kingdom, he got a cloud and he comes in clouds. I've been in satanic meetings spiritually and seen Satan descend on a cloud of fire and smoke and stand there in a meeting in all of his glory. He doesn't look very pretty, that's for sure. It's always smoke and fire and flames. Eyes are always red. He's an ugly creature. He used to be beautiful. But hate and violence and envy and lust will corrupt you. Starts in your mind, works its way out through the body. Mm-hmm. So God is telling Moses, I'm going to do what you ask. I've had God in my house. Mm-hmm. I've had angels cover me with wings to protect me in my bed. When Satan was walking down my hallway looking for me, I saw him. And I go, oh, no, God, no, this is all spiritually. What am I to do? He says, and my angel Samuel took his wings and covered me up spiritually. And I disappeared under a cloak of invisibility, the wings of the angel. Now, my physical body was in the bed. I didn't move. But Satan's a spiritual being. Once you get on his radar, as Pastor Deborah has, he's coming after you personally. Just like he did this young man, Christ Jesus, in the wilderness. And when that doesn't work, he'll work through people that you know, family members, close associates, people you're trying to help. He'll whisper in their ears. He'll get in their bodies. He'll come through them. I've seen the eyes of Satan in my husband. Mm -hmm. I've seen demons in trees and animals. Do you know how I started learning how to move in this powerful presence of God? I'd be outside and there'd be a pack of dogs and they'd give me that look and I would start rebuking them and giving them orders. I'd speak to roaches. Ah, You get out of here. I started professing Acting like I had authority. But early on, I didn't know what to do in this realm of the spirit. I found myself in the kingdom of darkness a lot. I had to have help. But the presence of God, his grace and favor was always with me. Mm -hmm. Did you know, did I tell you the story? I was given two angels at first. Which I think a lot of people think, you know, maybe one, but I got two. That shocked me. Then a few months later, I was given ten more. And I thought, that's weird. Why do I need so many angels around me all the time? They are right here now, spiritually. I don't talk to them. The head one is Samuel. He's my second Samuel. They guard and protect me everywhere I go. And I go a lot of places, both physically and spiritually. And I asked God, why do I need so many? He says, for where you're going, you will need the protection. I've been to satanic meetings. I've been into uh, meetings of Satan and his demons. I've been in private meetings with world leaders. Mm -hmm. And I have to go with my host of heaven behind me. So here, God came down in a cloud. Now, this is an unregenerative, not born-again spirit. So, God is having to do some earthly things. Because his spirit can't see it yet. But his soul is desiring. So, God is helping him. And he said he stood there with Moses. And out from this cloud, God the Lord proclaimed and spoke and announced decreed the name of the Lord. What do you think that would mean? The name of the Lord. Would it be an individual name? Jehovah? What What does that mean? 
The name means my nature, my essence, my image, my likeness, everything about me. You'd stand there and declare. You would feel in the spirit realm sometimes. You don't say any words. You hear them through the spirit. You see with your eyes. The name is displayed like in a picture of art. Nobody's talking when you look at a picture, but it speaks to you. There's a spirit in those pictures, and they talk. Verse 6, And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed and spoke, announced and decreed, The Lord That means the owner. The Lord God, the owner, the creator, the all-sufficient one, who is merciful and gracious, full of favor, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. He was declaring more of himself in this presence of the Lord. Moses was right there hearing from God himself who this God was that just brought him out of Egypt who he'd seen his mighty miracles. Do you know you the story about this young man? He was an Arab man. He got saved on his deathbed from some kind of disease. He prayed to this God of the Christians Because the doctors had said to him, there is no hope. God had a plan for him. He was a Muslim. And God healed him. The doctors were shocked. He was shocked. Got out of the hospital. He went and was watching a television show. And they were preaching about this God of the Bible. This God that heals you. He kneeled down, he said. And he asked God to be his God. He was an Islamic person. He served Allah. But this God had reached down with a sign and a wonder. With his goodness and mercy. With a plan to use this young man. To go back and preach to those who serve another God. And he got saved after God healed him. That's what happened with Israel. God brought them out. He healed them. But they went and served a golden calf. And God said, I'm not going with them. My presence is not going to be with this people. And Moses begged him. He said, but if you don't go, we can't win. We can't do this. So what God had to do was those people who served that golden calf. They wandered in the desert for 40 years till they died. God had to wait for their children who had never been born into Egypt. Who were never a slave in Egypt. He had to wait for them to be born to hear about the stories. He said, I will take that generation into the new land, Moses. But so God had to wait. Sometimes when you do things and you profess that this God has helped you, you pray to him, you might make the sign of the cross. You might pray for other people. And you turn to other things, government, laws, constitutions. You turn away from his laws of life and you serve something else. He says, I will not be with you. If he gives you a chance into leadership and your attitude is wrong, your mouth is filthy, you're not a loving person. You're making jokes. He will crash you down. Even though he puts you there. He says, I raise you up and I put you down. He'll give you a chance. He'll try to speak through people. And if you choose, he'll do just to you as he did to the Israelites. You I cannot use. You I will not be in your presence. I will not go with you. I will wait till you die. You will be a baby. And all that you did on the earth, all the political positions you held, all the businesses you did, everything you have accumulated your wealth will mean nothing 
on the day of judgment. When you stand before me in the courtroom and in my throne room, it will mean nothing. You will have served another God, the kingdom of darkness, Satan himself. You served another kingdom and government and you turned away just like the Israelites and served another God. It's a serious business. And Pastor Deborah had to see it and learn it, but be merciful. So here is this cloud. And here is God's presence. And here is what he says. I am the Lord. That means owner. I'm the Lord God. I'm the God that owns everything. But I'm merciful and gracious, full of favor. I am long-suffering. Boy, did he have to be with all of us and abundant in goodness and truth. The king of the kingdom of darkness has truth. He knew it once. He still knows it, but he keeps you from it. He doesn't want you to know the truth about himself. How many people even believe there's a real devil and demons? The Catholic Church still does. They still do exorcisms. Pastor Deborah does them also. They're just called deliverance, casting out those things. At least they believe most of the Protestant church does not believe in them. Medical community, mental health counseling, they don't believe in this stuff. They don't understand the spiritual nature. They don't understand anything. That's that age of reasoning and science. Just looking with the eyes of the biological body. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever asked God to come and show you his presence? Can you say you are in his presence in whatever you are doing? Is his presence with you? Are you grateful to him? I get so sad when I see all these people celebrating their birthdays. And I think about all the little babies in the womb. Or all the little children that were killed. And they don't get to have a birthday. Nobody has a wall of remembrance for any little aborted baby. They don't get a name. They never get to blow out a candle. Nobody thinks about them, but we think about all these people that maybe died when a building crashes down. Or the people that died in the, uh, an attack somewhere. We remember the people that died in a war with crosses, but not the little aborted babies. Nobody remembers them. There's a few that do, and they cry for them. And the people that, the women that have the abortions, usually later they have great depression and mental health problems and grief and guilt over what they did because they killed and murdered a child who had no say, no chance. And they had pressure from the doctors, the nurses, the organizations. It was done freely. Taxpayers paid for it. The law says we can do it. You have a right. It's your medical care. We're worried about your health care. And this thing is a tumor, a cancer. And you have a right to choose to have it or not have it. Yes, that is true. You have a choice most of the time whether you have sex or don't have sex. There's the birth control pill. But the little baby... Everybody seems to have a choice except the little baby. The baby's not a dog or an animal. It's not a hybrid. It's not a demon, but it has demons. Yes, it can. But it, nobody asks it what it wants. Because it's not something that has any legal rights in the world. And even if it is born, it still doesn't have much rights. Because it doesn't have a voice. But let me tell you, the angels and God are keeping score. They know who support killing babies and murdering them and yet make the sign of the cross and say they are a faithful, devout, religious person. Mm-hmm. The audio tapes are there, the videotapes, and you will be judged. And what you did in this world, what you supported, what you gave credit to, and what you 
allowed to die without a voice. So in the presence of God, it is a different world. Most of those people I've just talked, they're out of God's presence. They are like the Israelites at the serving the golden calf. Mm-hmm. Only Moses went up. But then Moses, as you know, or maybe you don't know, he got into anger. The people who were serving the golden calf got caught. Half of them died. They started murmuring and complaining at Moses. Why aren't you taking care of you? Brought, this God brought us out here. Because there was a lot of people who didn't know this God in there. He's called us out here to die. There's no food. There's no water. It's hot. We should have stayed back there. At least we got some onions to eat. He started murmuring, complaining to Moses. He goes to God. The first round, God says, I'll bring some, hit this rock. And the water came out. Happened again. And God said, speak. Don't hit, but speak. Learn how to speak to nature to bring forth your needs. But he didn't do it. He went down and struck that rock because he was mad at the people. And God says, I told you to speak to it. You're out of my presence. But I've got to get the children, the next generation from these people. But I told you what to do and you disobeyed me. You were angry because the people were murmuring at you. This is not about you. They're murmuring to you. You think this is about you, but it's about me. They're mad at me and I'm not mad at them. I will take care of them because I want their kids. But you, Moses... You're not going into the promised land. You're going to die here in the wilderness. I'll take care of you. But I'm not going to have a leader of mine getting so angry at the people to go into the new land. You remember that. If you're a politician and you are a leader, a family, a husband, you will not have the presence of God with you. You will be banished from his presence on earth. Don't know about eternity unless something happens to help you. So I want to close right here. You're beginning to see how important this presence of the Lord was in Satan's, in Lucifer's life. What he lost. He had the favor of the Lord. He had God's goodness. And mercy. He had God's truth. Mm-hmm. He lost it all. It all became perverted, twisted, infected, diseased by his own lust, his own covet. And that's what happens to every human. The truth you may have had that a human was a, a, a child in the womb was a human is now all perverted and twisted. It all becomes a choice for the woman to make. And it's just health care. And the, the, the woman has the right to kill and murder legally by the law. So all of that gets twisted and perverted and diseased. Okay. What was truth becomes a lie, a deception, darkness, ignorance. And you lift yourself up as a mighty leader of the people. Who are you serving when you do that? Are you serving the God of life, liberty, goodness, favor, long-suffering, abundance and goodness and truth? Or are you serving the king of the kingdom of darkness who lusts, hates, is jealous? He's a murderer. From the beginning. He's a liar and a deceit. He twists things. And he desires to serve no one. Is that who you're serving? And you don't even know it? You might be serving the constitution. The people. But you're serving the king of the kingdom of darkness. You're serving Satan. And his kingdom. 
Yes. You have been serving Satan. You have been wanting babies to be killed and you help kill them. You don't know what to do. Father, many here have been serving Satan and the kingdom of darkness. They've not been in your favor. They've not had your grace. They've not known your truth till today. They've not known you had goodness to give to them. They did not know you were merciful and full of kindness and long-suffering for them. But you know, you said that they had to hear before they could learn. Father, they want some help. They want to not serve this Satan anymore. They don't want to support killing babies anymore and abortion. They've come to the truth that by doing that, they are supporting, they are serving the king of the kingdom of darkness. And they are not in your presence. Father, all here who desire to be set free from this, forgiven, to have your mercy and goodness applied to them, do so. Take that out. Cast those demonic spirits of death, bondage and slavery and murder against the little innocent babies in the womb and children and infants, maybe teenagers or women. Father, take that out of them. Free their spirits and apply your goodness and your presence to them. Let your abundance of mercy and grace be upon them. You brought them here to do just this. Do your work of healing. Of Isaiah 61 and 62. Do a Hebrews 4.12 spiritual experience for them. So when they go home, back to their bodies, they are different and they know it. And Father, let your light shine out of them. So even their family members, their religious leaders, their prayers change. Their spirits are changed inside them. There's your light there now, your favor and your presence. And that Satan and his demons can see it, but put angels, as you put them around Pastor Deborah, around them to protect them. Let them be mighty lights and trees standing tall, producing your fruit to others. Help them to grow and learn more about your presence, more about you, to come into that cloud with you, to your very presence, to hear your words, that you are the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, full of favor, long-suffering, and abundance in goodness and truth. Father, this is your work of your word. Fulfill your word, watch over it, and apply it and do it. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word made flesh. Amen. All right. All those who God is working with, you stay and be quiet. The rest of you, if you want to get up and wander around the garden, you are welcome to. If you want to go to the throne room, you're welcome. And when you're ready to go back, the angels will escort you. You will be different. You will notice a difference in your soul. But you come again to another lesson with Pastor Deborah here in the garden. Okay? And I'll see you again. Love, Pastor Deborah. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today and watch. This is Pastor Deborah, and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually. And hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again. Watch another one. And we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments. 
And if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.